You're listening to the Cool People Podcast, hosted by Jim the Boss. What kind of coffee is this? Uh, it's actually Maxwell House, but it's their dark roast. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. Right? Normally Maxwell House is not the best. I know, but like I said, it's about like getting the ratio right and get the temperature right. That coffee machine is pretty nice. You can like raise and lower the temperature. Uh, it's obviously like a, a thermos, which I don't really need that much because like when I brew coffee, I drink it. I'm not going to come back in two hours and be like, hey, more co- I'll, I'll brew more, you know? When I think Maxwell, I think really mostly Max Worst. <laughs> <laughs> Max Not Well House. Yeah, not well at all. But uh, it was on sale. It was like one of the gigantic like bulk containers. I was actually at Restaurant Depot for work, and uh, I had the card, and I put it in my wallet, and then I forgot about it, and then I was on my way home from work. And I hate driving with my wallet in my back pocket. So I took it out and it was sitting in the center console next to me. And I saw the Restaurant Depot card and I was like, oh yeah, I still have it with me. And there's one here in town. Oh yeah, that's right. So I just went by. Cause I get, I, 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 they have good prices on like meat and stuff. So like I'll get that for a week or two and like stock my freezer and shit. Do the restaurants that you work or have worked for you like go to restaurant depot not necessarily no we have an account for the company that i work for but it's just for like if the company that we get all of our stuff delivered from which is like a really big food service company um but they have you know they have stuff that that runs out or they have subs like substitutes sometimes um but we don't we don't typically shop at Restaurant Depot, so it's just for like picking up stuff that the big guy is out of, and then what I'll actually do is I'll send the receipt to the big guy, and they'll reimburse me for like whatever I had to buy that they were out of. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of neat. So the, like the whole company has an account, and there's like so many stores that we that we have, so like they have accounts all over. So speaking of restaurants, you've been managing restaurants for ten plus years, I would say, right? Probably more than that. Yeah, more than that. I got... 15 years? I've been managing restaurants for probably like 15 years. And what got you into that kind of work? A weird fluke. It wasn't like intentional at all. Um, I was working construction for, for a while. And I was working for like a bunch of like different general contractors just trying to get some experience. Like I knew I was going to apply for a union at some point. Cause like everybody in my family is a union construction worker in some way, shape or form, mostly electricians. And I'd done like summer helper jobs with them. And I didn't have like a ton of experience. So my dad wasn't, and my dad was, a, it's complicated when it comes to like the union stuff, but like my dad was considered a traveler in the, the local that he worked out of um, because he wasn't, that wasn't his home local. And he just like lived in this area and they were like hard to, to transfer your ticket. And, um, it was dip- it's like he didn't have a lot of like sway, so he couldn't just like get me in. So, uh, you know, I was gonna work for a bunch of you know contractors and get some experience up, for, and then you know go through the application process. And uh, I was working for a general contractor, and then I got laid off, and I needed something like in the meantime. So I got a job as a dishwasher, 
it was like an Indian concept owned by a family that had like cut their teeth in restaurants, but then saw this location. It was a pre-existing building that was already like a banquet hall, like wedding type spot. And then they like did some renovations on it, updated it and turned it into like, they called it a diner concept, but it wasn't like it had a restaurant in it, but like it didn't, it didn't do well. It had a bar in it, but like there were never customers there. Like there wasn't even a bartender. Like they didn't have a bartender on staff unless there was like a banquet. And then they usually like hired from outside to like, like hired up banquet staff to come in and like do the events and then leave. So like basically these guys ran this operation. Like it was like a subcontracting business. They just had a building and they would like book events and then like pay a company to come and run the event. And then like they would take their share. And then after a while they realized like we're wasting this building. So they wanted to like open the quote unquote, open the restaurant, but it was a very small section of the building. Like the banquet hall was completely separate. It was like 99% of the building. And in the front portion of the building, there was probably like a 50 seat, not even, it was probably like 25 seat because it was all booths, you know? And like the bar was small. It was only like an eight seat bar, but they tried to run that with like a diner concept because of the town where it's a small town and the diner in town had closed and there was no real diner in the center of town. When they first started promoting that as like a quote unquote diner and like opening early in the morning, like they did have a few customers in the beginning, but they messed it up so bad so quickly that like people just stopped coming back because like the guy who ran the place was like a former restaurateur and he was just a real, like real jerk. Like he was just a real, real aggressive guy and like if customers were like hey you know we didn't enjoy this or like you could do this a little bit better he would like argue with them and like tell them why they were wrong and like why he did it this way and like this is the way it's supposed to be done because he did it at you know this way in the restaurant at his hotel and it was always successful and people would just like they're like oh okay you, then we're not coming back like we're not going to come back if you're just going to be terrible so you, this bus boy didn't he like i think i remember you telling me and like the phone would ring and he would just like literally drop everything, like physically drop everything. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause he was so, he was given a lot of responsibility because he was like one of the few people that would actually like show up to work consistently. So like eventually he learned how to do a lot of the stuff there. And, uh, yeah, he would, he would, I'm struggling to remember. That was so long ago. I can remember seeing him in his uniform flying around that restaurant, making a big deal out of like the most minor things. Everything was like, he treated everything like it was on fire. Like you're just constantly running around like a maniac with like no, no real direction. I think you told me once that he, that he, um, didn't he become the manager over you and you were like super pissed and the owners were like, well, you know, He's probably never gonna like get to this position, and you were like, "So, like, this guy he doesn't sucks know. He's like, he doesn't know to... what he's he doesn't know what he's doing." And I think that's why I left. That might have been why we were all leaving because they they kept they kept running it the way like it was very obvious that this is going to fail. Like people were literally customers would literally because like you know people in Chicago, it's like the old people who go to diners like on their way out when they're leaving and you're like saying goodbye to everybody like they will tell you like they will 100% tell you like what they didn't like you know how they want it this way that way and like they would stand by the door and this guy would just like 
argue with customers and like we knew right right away it wasn't going to go go very far but like we made money at the banquets and that's why i wanted to stick it out i just kind of wanted to you know stick around and um i think i think you're right i think he did get some sort of promotion and i was just kind of like are you fucking serious you're promoting him i was like i could i could do that like you're paying him you're paying him more than like everybody. I was like, this is crazy to me. I was like, you guys are absolutely insane. Like you're giving him this responsibility. And yeah, I think he did. We, we had a conversation where he was, he was basically like, what, what is this kid going to do with his life? Like, let him try this. And I was like, fuck that guy. Let me try this. <laughs> I was like, this is insane. But didn't, I think I remember you getting a call from him going, he was like, you got to come in. And you were like, no. <laughs> I was yeah why am I like I'm asked to do all this responsibility if you're giving him the raise like if and he's he, if he's your guy he should be able to go do it but he wasn't he just wasn't a good manager so when you when you literally just flat out told him no he was just like but you got it and you were like no and I think you just hung up on it <laughs> yeah yeah and he, he, he never me. even called back <laughs> <laughs> so it's he like, just didn't know what to do he called me and he was like yeah I need you to come in how is that my problem <laughs> I'm not coming to work. And he was like, yeah, but I really need you. And I was like, I hear you, but I'm not available. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, I'll talk to you later. And he was like, all right, fine. I'll talk to you later. Bye. I was like, okay, bye. And that was that. And then I, I don't think he ever mentioned it to me and never brought it up. Now, have you ever been on, on that side of the conversation as the manager? Oh, a hundred times. And have but you I also got- know better than to like demand it of my staff. Like if I need someone to do something like, I, I've been doing this long enough where it's like my staff in most situations, at least currently respect me enough where it's like, it's a give and take. Like I'm not going to demand, I'm not going to threaten. That's just not how I do things. You're not yeah. going to, you're not going to get a response. You're going to constantly lose staff. And in, this, in the, the, the world that we work in these days, especially with, with restaurants and, and front of house staff more than anything, because of the way that they make their money, like they own their own money. Like they earn their tips. I pay, you know, tip minimum wage is far lower than regular minimum wage. So then when that place was closing, I, uh, one of the, one of the cooks there was like, yo, I'm going to this place in Jersey city that needs a bunch of people go apply there. So I applied as a dishwasher. And then during the interview process, I lied and said I had serving experience and they were like, oh, we need a server. Like you have the job. So I had near no serving experience other than like a couple of weeks at that banquet job which was, you're not really, you're just literally bringing people food. Yeah, the banquet stuff is much different. Yeah. I, you know, I had done yeah, tons of it, but I would never work in a, a restaurant. It's completely different. Piece. Yeah, it's so, it's such, it's so, it's completely, like you didn't even have to interact with people in the banquet. Like, no, you just, they have a menu that has like chicken or fish and right. they pick one. And that's it. And then you just bring it to them and that's that. And, uh, it was completely different. So yeah, I, I lied and said I had serving experience and I got a job as a server at this place in Jersey City that's still there. I think it's still owned by the same guy. And uh, started working as a server. And then they needed a bar back. So I like filled in as a bar back here and there. And then like eventually worked my way up. And I'm not even like, I, I had no experience in restaurants. And in like seven years, I worked my way up to like management. And the, the way I got into management was crazy. The guy who owned the place was a nut. He was, he's a good guy. I learned a lot from him, but like I also learned a lot of what not to do from him. Wow. And, uh, I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, it was a while. I was like from when I was like 19 to when I was like 26 or 27. So yeah, 26. Yeah. So six years. Yeah. Seven years. Somewhere in between there. I don't know what months I started or over my, you know, you know what I mean? But um, I was, 
I was there the one day I was working and I'd worked my way up to kind of like a head server role where they made me responsible for making the server schedules. And the way the offices were set up in there, they were in like a, like a brownstone building next to the restaurant. And like one whole floor was converted into offices for management and they kind of have it like cubicles. And then at the end of the row of cubicles was a door that went into the owner's office. And I was just in there in one of the cubicles working on an Excel spreadsheet, like making a server schedule for the following week or whatever. And the owner started screaming at all the other managers and like yelling at them and getting into like a shouting match with him. And I had had, you know, minimal interaction with the guy. Like I'd seen him throughout the offices, but like never really interacted with him much. But like, I felt like he would have recognized me. And uh, he comes out of the office and he's like screaming at this lady, like, you're fired, get out. I can't believe you don't know. Like, this is, this is like stupid stuff. Like, I can't believe you don't know how to do this. And he looked at me and he asked me a question and he asked me, do you know why you don't turn the heat off at night in a restaurant? And I was just like, I don't know, because it's probably cheaper to like keep the building warm than it is to like rewarm it back up in the morning. And he was like, yes. And he turned to her and he was like, you're fired. And I was like, my jaw hit the floor. Really? I was like, what just happened? Did I just get this lady fired by answering like a, a simple question? And I was just kind of like, what's going on right now? And he's screaming at her and she's, you know, she storms out of the office and two other managers like quit on the spot. And I'm just standing there like, pandemonium. it was absolute chaos. And I'm sitting there like, what just happened? Like, what did I just get involved in? And he's like, what's your name again? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm Carrie, blah, blah, blah. And he's, uh, he's like, what do, you, what do you do around here? I was like, I'm making a server schedule right now. I'm like one of the, I guess you would call me like the head server. And he's like, have you ever managed before? And I was like, no. He's like, do you want to learn? I was like, sure. He's like, all right, we're going to start your management training this week. And then most of that just consisted of us sitting in his office and him telling me crazy stories about the restaurant and drinking coffee out of one liter steins that he got from like beer reps the guy was a nut but uh he, he had some wild stories man he had some wild stories do you have any wild stories of working there oh i have a t- <laughs> t- tell me <laughs> go, go so from many oh my god go from like medium to best oh, i was there for so long and it was just so much chaos uh that was like uh, that and that, it was specific to that restaurant too i think no, I can't say that. It, it, it's chaos everywhere. It was just, I was ill-prepared for the job. He was an ill-prepared owner. Apparently, prior to owning, or to prior to him being more present at that restaurant, he was kind of like a hands-off owner, and he was never there. He wasn't in that office. That office belonged to the GM, and he had owned like some sort of importing, exporting company that went under, but he had also bought the restaurant just kind of like as an investment, but wasn't really involved in, you know, the day-to-day operations. And then once that importing, exporting firm, whatever he had went under, he like became more involved in the restaurant because that was like his sole source of income at that point. And he was just kind of like a crazy guy. He, he drank a lot. He smoked multiple packs of cigarettes a day. I've never seen anybody smoke as many cigarettes as that guy did. It was a lot. More than me? Yeah. Like, okay, so I don't feel so bad now. Yeah, it was like a lot. And the guy drank, I'm not even kidding. Like, you ever see like the one liter steins, like the ones we had at the beer garden? He would drink those full of coffee, like multiple ones of those a day. How does that guy not have heart issues? Yeah, I, I, and that's what I mean. He was always like, he, and he was a little overweight. He wasn't, he wasn't in great shape, but he wasn't like OPs. Like, he wasn't like a big fat guy, but like, he wasn't a small man. But uh, 
he would like sweat <laughs> sweat all the time. He was he was an unhealthy guy. But I actually ended up living with him um, because at the time I was living in Sea Caucus and working at the restaurant, and that's really not very far. But due to traffic and just like getting from Sea Caucus yeah, to, to get downtown, from Sea Caucus to like downtown, downtown Jersey City, City like takes, on the water, it, it takes a long time sometimes. I mean, hey, look, it took me 15 minutes to turn around at 440 <laughs> today and I was raging. So, yeah, it, it can be difficult to travel the seven or eight miles that it might actually be. But uh, it can take, you know, an hour sometimes. And apparently to Steve, that was unacceptable. And Steve had an insane insanely beautiful apartment that he owned right around the corner like one block from the restaurant and it had multiple bedrooms that people weren't living in so he offered me a deal where i would live with him as a roommate and we would like come up with like a modified salary deal to cover rent and work but it was still good pay like i made good money but i was young i was you know 23 24 when i first got like the quote-unquote gm position um, but I was also like the only manager there for like six months. It was just me and him that ran the place. So like, uh, it was kind of crazy, but that's why he was like, I need you there more. So like, you need to move closer. And I was like, you don't pay me enough to have my own apartment in downtown Jersey city where I'm close enough to get to here, you know, on foot or my skateboard or my bike without having to like, cause parking down there is a nightmare. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. So we came up like a modified salary rent deal and, uh, I worked for him for a while, but that apartment was nuts. It was actually, he, he bought a whole floor in an apartment building. It was the ground floor of an entire apartment building. It was like five or six apartments and he converted them all into one apartment, but he kept like part of the structure of each section. So you could like sort of see when you went from apartment to apartment, like it still had like pieces of the old apartment in it. It was cool. It was really cool. And I had my own bedroom with my own entrance and my own bathroom and he had a maid and he would just host crazy parties at that apartment after the bar closed. Like we would literally shut the bar down at night and he would just stand on top of the bar and yell like, we're all going to my house. And you know, 30 people from a bar would just walk a block and go into our apartment and party all night. And it was just debaucherous. It was insane, man. I can, I can tell you so many stories about that time. Oh, first time I ever did liquid THC. We were just chilling in the, in the kitchen. Oh, and it was a weird setup. The kitchen was crazy. He had like wall, wall to wall, floor to ceiling, brown cabinets, but they were just facades. Like it was, everything opened up and everything was inside the cabinets. So like you opened and, and that's where the fridge and the freezer were. And they were all separate. And like, it was a crazy looking kitchen with like a big island in the middle. And I, I was young. I had never seen anything like that at the time. The guy obviously had a ton of money. I was like, I can't believe I live here. This is nuts. There was a grand piano right next to my, my bedroom door. I'm like, what did, like, what is that? Did he play or was he just a... Uh, no, he didn't play at all. It was just there. The guy, like, he was just I'm like, just yeah, going to get grand this piano. grand. It was beautiful. It was this big, white, like, pearly, white, shiny... I can't tell you what brand it was. I don't remember, but it was beautiful. Knowing him, it was probably like a Steinway or something. Yeah, probably, probably, exactly. The kind of money the guy had. My bathroom, which was just in, located inside my bedroom, which was all, you know, exposed brick and, like, a four-poster bed with, like, heated floors and my own side entrance to the building that went outside, but also into the apartment the entire bathroom was like green jade and emerald it was nuts it had like a, a claw bathtub it was nuts it was insane i was like what am claw i feet 
Yeah, exactly. The, the old school bathtubs. Yep, the whole bathroom was like old school like that. But like, they if have you one of those um, toilets that yeah, it's like has the counterweight. No, it didn't have the the big the big chain pull toilet. It was a modern modern looking toilet, but it was still a really cool setup. It was like one of the coolest bathrooms I'd ever seen, and I was like, this is mine. I live here now. Like this is crazy, and I lived there for like three years, and then. And then I got poached sort of from there, like another restaurant that was opening in the area, like offered me a position and I took it and he got upset with me and he was like, well, you got to move out now. And I was like, that's fine. I'm making enough money. <laughs> that must have been tough to live with your boss. It was very tough. It was, it was incredibly tough. I missed out on so many cool things. I was constantly forced into positions where like I thought I had the day off and I was just like, all right, I'm going to work 12 hours now. Like, here we go. No extra pay because I have salary and rent covered, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. If you live too close to the boss, they know he knows what that we, you're doing. Exactly. And we were, we were friends. Like, I'm not going to say he was just my boss. It was like a unique situation and unique relationship. But like it, it, it made us close as friends because he, he sort of saw me as like someone he could teach to run the bar and he could be more hands-off that was kind of his like idea behind it was like oh i have this young kid who's like who who's impressionable and like halfway intelligent like i think i can teach him how to run this place and then like i can be more hands-off because i have this kid who like i trust who who does things my way and uh i, I saw i had an opportunity to like be taught how to run a restaurant what i thought but the guy was it wasn't actually just a nut like was you can't like 24 hours that's all I do is work all the time kind of person. Sort of, yes. But then like he also like partied nonstop. So it was like this weird combination of both of those those personalities where he was like an absolute workaholic, but would also like as soon as like soon as he was like, okay, we're done for the day, like he didn't stop. It was just like full party mode now until like the sun comes up and then like in three hours we're gonna get up and do it all over again. That's so weird. I don't know how anybody has the energy to be like, all right, let's do the craziest amount of drugs and drinking and all this stuff. And it's like three hours later, we have to go work. Yeah. And and he insisted on being like open for lunch seven days a week because like traditionally that, that, that place was like a bar and restaurant that did well with like construction workers on lunch breaks. Cause there was just always construction going on in that area for, you know, 15, 20 years to be perfectly honest. Like there was always something being built down there or renovations done or the light rail project or, or something going on at Newport. So like they, they always, he always had lunch business. So like he insisted on being open all day, every day. So it was just not like there was no, no time off. So like you, the place was open at, you know, 1030 in the morning as, as early as we could be with the bar. And then like we were there until 3am every night and it just, it was exhausting and that's why i think after a certain amount of time like when i got the offer to leave there i was like yeah i'm ready to go <laughs> time to hit that dusty old trail yeah, I, I think i i might you know my time here is 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 done but oh man the time there was uh, incredible <laughs> i really did enjoy like looking back that was like one of the best restaurants to work at for me. Like that was the best time of my life. Not best restaurant. That place was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the food was so bad, but it wasn't known for food. It was, it was known for craft beer and, and, and it's beer selection. And it, you know, I remember to get back on to, uh, living near your boss. I remember when I was working in Hoboken and, uh, the boss had owned one of those big brownstone houses and she, uh, the basement apartment was vacant. And she was like, oh, if anybody wants to live here, I'll give them like half off of rent. And this is like 2012. So rent is $2,000 a 
cheaper back then right but expensive for <laughs> the time expensive yeah and i was like said to a friend i'm like yeah i think i'm gonna take that offer because to live at a in a nice prime location in hoboken he goes dude don't do that i'm like why he's like you'll never have a day off ever again you're gonna yep. become the babysitter you're gonna become everything yeah and i was like all right and then it was snapped up by somebody else and sure enough like Six months later, she was watching the kids. She was doing this for them. It's just how, it's how yep. it goes. And she never had a day off ever again. I was just like, phew. I mean, I still had days off, but like it was few and far between. Or it was very, you know, I feel like more often than not that like they were snatched away from me at the last moment. Like something happened or someone called out or someone got sick or Steve can't do his shift for whatever reason. So now he's just kind of like, hey, I know you're not really doing anything important today. How about That's uh, the thing. <laughs> and it, then it's. Even if you didn't live there, he probably has a criteria of what's important. Right, exactly. So relative it, to what's, yeah, what's important, important to, to me you. is not what's important to him because he has the restaurant that he needs ran, you know, and he just doesn't feel like doing it today because, you know, he was up until 5 a.m. or, you know, whatever it was. And I was probably with him, but he was just kind of like, you're 20 years younger than me. Go. You can do it. And I was like, oh, OK, fine. So where did you go after that place? Right across the street. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it was right across the street. Yeah. Um, Is that place still there, too? I don't know. I don't think so. That one was a weird location. That one was like... I had no idea that this place was, like, opening. And then it opened... I can't say right across the street. It was, like, catty-cornered and, I think like, I know half what, a block down. It was on a was corner, like, right? It was on a corner, yeah. And they were, like, opposite corners from each other. But there was... The only thing between them was like a, a big open one of those like uh, pay parking lots that you park in for the day. So it was like they could very clearly see each other across the parking lot. And um, I didn't know it opened until it like opened and they had like the balloons and everything outside. And I didn't think too much of it. And then they like closed again. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that place didn't last very long. Like it's like that's odd because it was on the ground floor of a like massive high-rise building. I don't know how many floors it was. I want to say it's like, you know, 30, 40 floors, something like that. And it's all apartment buildings and there's like twin towers. So I figured with many that many people living in there, like it could do decent. And it was like a cafe bistro concept. So like it wasn't too expensive or too fancy. Like it, it was just kind of like simple. And uh, they closed like right away. And then I found out that like there was a bunch of problems with the lease and everything, but I found this all out later. And then... uh one day I'm working at the, the restaurant I was with with the, the crazy guy that I lived with. And these two guys are sitting at the bar and they start talking to me and I start talking to them. And they were like, yeah, no, we own that restaurant across the street. Like, we've heard about you. We want, we would love for you to come work for us. And I was like, what do you mean you've heard about me? And this is the first time like any other, I've never had anyone like express interest in me like this. It was so odd. And I was just kind of like, these guys are, are blowing smoke on my ass. Like, they've never heard of me. They just see me running this bar here and I'm young. So they're like, oh, hey, come over, help us out. We're going to open this place across the street, you know, the neighborhood. And uh, I fell for it, you know, hook, line and sinker. And I was like, oh, they're interested in me. They want me to come help them fix their, their restaurant that like just, you know, opened and then closed. And I was like, yeah, I'll come over. And then I was involved in like the another pre changing concept sort of and like pre-opening process. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anything done like that, like super professionally. And I was working for this guy who was the, the general manager and I was one of his assistants. And I was put in charge of the bar because that was kind of like what I had done at the other place. It was mostly a bar. And 
I had all that craft beer experience and that was like a big deal at the time and it was like up and coming. So they were, you know, they were like, come over, help us fix the bar, this, that, and the other thing, work on the menu. And then like right after we opened, the general manager that I worked for just like disappeared and a bunch of money went missing. And I got immediately promoted with like just a minimal conversation because like they were just kind of like, we need someone to fill in. We're gonna like, you know, hire somebody for this position. Like, you know, we just need somebody who's been involved in the operations to like help out. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I kind of like filled in for a while and I was like way over my head. I was not doing a good job. I was kind of like doing okay with managing the bar, but then like the other stuff I was falling behind on because I had never done that before. I didn't know like the scope of it. And uh, it was definitely like a, a, a good learning experience for me because like I got my ass kicked, you know what I mean? But it was like one of those times where it was like, I learned more by getting my ass kicked in like the nine months that I was at that place than I did at the seven years prior. You know what I mean? Like seven years prior, like showed me the, the bones of a restaurant and like I learned like how to, you know, the day-to-day -day operations and all that stuff. But like working for that actual professional company and like getting my teeth kicked in, definitely like shaped me way, way more than like the seven years at the other place. What were some differences in that place compared to the other place? Just like the professional expectations, like the way things were structured and handled, the way that it wasn't like just some guy winging it, you know? It was like, there was actual structure, like people had positions, like their positions had like very clearly laid out responsibilities, like we did inventory, like I knew what was on a shelf at any given point and how much money was sitting on a shelf at any given point and like what our sales metrics were and like what operations day to day would cost, where we needed to be, like leasing stuff, like op operational contracts with, with distributors, just learning like all of that. Cause like learning with the other guy, he would literally sit down with like a beer rep and be like, you're gonna buy this for me. You're gonna buy this for me. I'm gonna buy this for you. I want these brands. Give me your entire catalog. And like, we bought so much at the other place because it was like a volume craft beer spot that like I never really saw like a real relationship with like brand distributors and, and all that stuff other than just like buying everything and doing so much volume that like it didn't matter you got what you wanted so like learning how to like actually manage those relationships like and it was just it was a lot and then a lot of it was just kind of like restaurant operations too because it was like a fancier act like restaurant like where I, I you know i had floor shifts i was you know i was touching tables i was talking to guests i was you know menu development all that stuff cocktail menu development although i did have an executive chef and 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 um a head bartender that did handle a lot of that stuff because it was like again very structured they had very clear responsibilities it was still like overseeing all that i was just kind of like oh my god like this is like a well-oiled machine like this is how it's supposed to be not like like five dudes who get hammered together like just winging it every day and like just barely getting the door unlocked on time to like an actual professional operation but uh like i said i got my teeth kicked in so like once once they filled the position they offered me a role with the company but it was at such a like a reduced role and reduced rate and i was so like no i i don't want to take a step down at that point i had felt like you know although i did get my my teeth kicked in like i learned enough that i was like i think if i were to take this role with a new company that like i could handle it because i understand now so like that's when i left and I actually moved away from Jersey City at that point. That's when I moved down the shore, and I got and I started with you know the place that 
in, in Point Pleasant. What was that? That was five oh uh, seven oh nine. Seven oh nine. It was yeah, it was just the address of the building. That was another very very uh Yeah, very original. Yeah, very original and clever. That, that only that only happened because the owner of that place like was a contractor who built that restaurant as a turnkey restaurant with intentions of selling it, but then the township that he was in gave him a bunch of you know, a bunch of fuzz and he had to either like open it right away or find someone to operate it right away within like 90 days or something like that. Or he would lose something to do with the the liquor license or something. I don't know the whole story because it happened before I was involved with the company, but like apparently he had to like hire an operating team like right away. And he, he got a great one. He spent a ton of money on it, getting it open, but like he never intended on being a restaurateur. That was the only restaurant he ever owned. But that was a great place. I enjoyed working there too. I made a ton of money there. That was one of the, the, the And you worked there for quite a while, right? I worked there for like six or seven years too. You definitely have to be a certain type of person to work in a restaurant and thrive there, right? Like, there's there's people who are like rock stars that just kind of like thrive under pressure that I have like little examples of throughout like my time, you know, working as a server, working my way, you know, working my way through being a bartender. Um like learning how to be like a salesman, like people who are just incredible that way. And then there's just some people that I've worked with that I'm just like, how, how, like, why do people give you money? Like, you're just so bad at this and you have such a bad attitude about everything that it's just like, it's it's like, it's on your sleeve. Like we can all see that you're a jerk. Like, and like, we can all tell that you're pretending or like we, we all know the server who has the fake laugh or like the employee who like laughs at all the jokes, but it's like, they're not funny. Like we know you're faking it all the time. Um, and there's just like some people who are just so, I don't know, there's just one person I'm thinking of. She, uh, she was just so like ADD that like she would show up to, I, I had, I've never been in a position where as a manager, I had to like tell a staff member like, hey, can you like brush your hair? Really? Yeah. Just because like, like just unkempt, just unkempt. Like I'm just kind of like, hey, like you're technically in uniform, but there's still some issues with your appearance that I'd like to talk to you about. Yeah. How do you go about that? I prefer to have a female manager on staff approach it if it's a female, just because like it can like that's just go precarious territory. Quick. Exactly. You can go south real quick because you're picking on somebody's appearance. But at the same time, like there's an expectation and it's usually very clearly laid out an employee handbook or a training situation where they're made aware of these things. And, it, you know, it says you have to have like no, no dirt under your fingernails and your hair has to be, you know, you know, pulled back or up or whatever, whatever the regulations are where you're at. So it's not like it's unheard of where you have to have these conversations, but it's still like it's it's so uncommon like how often do you have to tell a grown adult who's who's in there you know like mid-30s that it's like hey um you look like you rolled out of bed and like you rolled into your shoes and into your car and then you pulled up here and you put your lipstick on while you drove over and you know maybe go look at a mirror before you approach your first table today please because um you know (laughs) <laughs> your hair is a bird's nest like did it yeah was it like albert einstein type hair or yes was and it, it was it became to, it got it got to the point where it was like almost regular that wasn't a style it was literally no, this person just, didn't this person just like obviously didn't take care of themselves like that's that's all that it was and they they came to work like i don't know i don't i don't they weren't there long enough for me to learn the root of the problem if that makes any sense so i don't know if they were working multiple jobs and just never slept or had psychological problems and never slept or was a drinker and never slept. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know enough because 
we only worked together for a few weeks because we did eventually have to let the person go. But like they were just always unkempt and untidy. And it was just kind of like, hey, um, brush your hair, please. Like you look like you didn't shower today. Like that's oh my God. that's my point. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just kind of like, hey, take care of yourself. <laughs> but then there's also like just crazy people, you know? There seems to be like a high concentration of people that do drugs and alcohol that are Well, there's like a low barrier to entry, if that makes any sense, to being a server or bartender. Like a lot of places, there's two different concepts if you look at it. There's some places that like won't hire you if you don't have experience because like they're just not the kind of place who's interested in training. And then there's, you know, the very like corporate chain type place where it's like we would actually kind of like, you know, it's okay for you to not have experience because we can train you as long as you have the right personality. But the thing about that is it's very hard to truly gauge somebody's personality in the super casual interview process that you see in most restaurants. So like you don't know if you're getting a crazy person until you're you're in the middle of a busy shift or something like that. And then you're like, oh, this person like interviewed really well, but like you're kind of crazy. And like that <laughs> happens often <laughs> because like, you know, interviews are there's like a, a set level of expectations. Like you, when you walk in, like you're expected to act in a certain manner, you're expected to dress in a certain manner. But then when you're like serving in a restaurant, like it's not that, like it's not what you would expect. Well, like when you're doing an interview, you're not going to be dressed the same. You're not going to have the same mentality. Like it's just completely different. So like you can interview really well and then like go into a restaurant and then just be like this fucking whack job. But like I've seen people who are like that and it and it works well. They might have this like sort of ADD personality where they're like rapid fire bonkers off the wall, like never stop. But like that's that's good in some restaurants. Like you need a person like that because like things happen so fast and change so quickly that like if you don't have that mentality, like you're gonna you're not gonna keep up. But then I tell people all the time, like this job gives me ADD because like from 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 my perspective, like at place the place I work at now, like I can't walk from one end of the restaurant to the other without being like interrupted or intercepted like 25 times because the company I work for like expects so much more of like a hands-on operation, which is fine. I enjoy it. Like my job is super fast paced. My days fly by. I got to work. I'm like, I'm actually tired when I get out of work. Like I feel like I did work today instead of like, oh, I sat at a fucking desk and like my back hurts because I didn't do anything, you know? So like I enjoy my job now, but like, it gives you ADD. Like it really does. Like you're never, I'm never able to have a fully thought out concept in my head because like I'm interrupted like every 30 seconds. But like at the same time, like I kind of enjoy that because you're like in the battle zone. So you like, you work around it. But like, oh, it can be, it can be insanely fast paced. Who is that guy? He was like a cook, or, not a cook. He was like a dishwasher and he would always come in and tell you all this information for you to go. Okay. All right. So he was a friend of another dishwasher. So I'm sure you remember the dishwasher there who, who came in dressed in like really colorful outfits, but like still kept himself immaculately clean throughout, you know, these gigantic, super long, incredibly busy shifts where he was literally standing in the dish pit for like hours. And most people would leave drenched, soaking wet, covered in food scraps, covered in messes. And this guy would work these shifts. And this guy was an older guy. He was in his 60s. This guy was like 62 years old. He would work these shifts in like full lime green outfits with bright white sneakers on. And the guy would outwork everybody and still leave like immaculately clean. Like it didn't make sense. He was just super efficient. Like he had been a dishwasher forever. That's just what he did. He was great at it. And when he told us a friend of his kids needed a job, 
as a dishwasher, we were like, yeah, man, anything for you, Dre. Like seriously, anything for this guy. Like we love you. Yes. Your buddy needs some shifts. Got you. Bring them in. You can show him how to run the dish pit because you know, ain't nobody doing it better. So we would, you know, we had him come in and <laughs> then after like a day or two, we were all like, what? What is, oh my God, this kid. He was young. He was from a, I was told he was from a group home, but then someone told me later on that that wasn't true. And he also told me stories about his mom. So I don't, I don't know if that's completely true, but he was just a very, very odd kid. And he would tell you the strangest details to things. He would just blurt out things like at like the most inappropriate times. Give me an example of like uh, strange details. Um, he would, he would talk about like the one time he came in, like literally came in the office. So on a dish machine, like in the one that we had anyway, there was the, you know, where you push the dishes in and it goes on a conveyor belt inside and it comes out the other side. And there's these gray plastic flaps that control steam and splashing and keep the dishwasher from getting like soaking wet that hang over the entrance. And they're just like plastic flaps. They look, they're just this gray plastic. He literally comes in the office one day, he knocks on the door and he was like, hey, I was like, what's going on? And he was like, the gray flaps that are on the mouth of the dishwasher. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, the ones that have the, the weird texture on them. And I was like, yeah, he's like, one's peeling. I was like, what do you mean it's peeling? He's like, it's peeling. And I was like, I don't know, what do you mean it's peeling? Like, is it coming off? And he was like, yeah, sorta. It's like starting to come off. And I was like, okay, I'll take a look at it. Next time I, I walk by the dish pit, like, thanks for the info. He's like, all right, just, you know, just thought you should know that. I was like, it's a new machine, but like, you know, it's gonna like that may happen eventually. It may it may start to peel off, but like I'll I'll t- thank you. And Very like, long even, conversation. Yeah, for, what for it like is. the most minimal things that were literally just kind of don't even really matter to be like perfectly. You don't honest have enough shit to deal with, Dad. Right, you have to like he would worry about gray plastic peeling. Oh my god, it was it was crazy, and he would do things like that like all the time. I remember there was one time we got a bunch of face masks for for you know the, for the quarantine era, and they had our logo on them. And we had thousands of them made. I had cases and cases and cases of these things because we would just give them out to customers. If anybody didn't have a mask and they wanted a mask, here you go. Take, take 100 of them. They have our logo on them. They're these cheap little cloth things to put on your face. They're very cheap. And then after a while, you know, you didn't have to wear masks anymore. People stopped using them. People stopped requesting them. So I still had cases of these in like a storage area in the back of the restaurant. He comes in the, in the restaurant. He comes and knocks on the office door one day and he comes in and he's like, hey, you guys still have all those masks in the back, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, can I have some? I was like, what do you mean? He was like, can I like have a case? I was like, why do you want a case of masks? He was like, to give them out. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I just want to like hand them out to like friends and family. I was like, okay. It's a big, the cases are big. Like he wrote, he wrote a little scooter to work. He wrote like a little electric scooter to work. And I was like, they're big cases. Like you're not gonna, like I, you need a car to like put one of them in. Like it's not, he was like, oh, I'll just take them home like a little bit at a time. I was like, okay, like what? at a time. What do you mean? So He's he like, yeah, I'll just case. fill my backpack with them and take them home. And I was like, but then you're gonna have them at home and they're not gonna be in a case. They're just gonna be like a massive pile of these masks. <laughs> Like, why would anybody want to wear them at that point? <laughs> They've just been like jumbled up in it. Like, where are you going to keep them? Like in a garbage bag? Like, I don't understand. And I was just kind of like, yeah, sure. So I let him, I was like, I set a case aside. I was like, he opened it and the mask started disappearing over time. 
<laughs> and I just never asked them about it ever again. I know a lot of people, but I don't know enough to get rid of 10,000 masks, even if I gave everybody 10 each. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, I don't know what you could... Like, yeah, I was like, I figured after he filled his backpack once and took them all home, like, that would be that. But like, no, no, those those boxes, that one box did eventually, like, I wasn't nearly empty, but like, I do remember like laughing about it later on and being like, it looks like he's actually taking them. I'm like, whatever, I don't care. Speaking of masks, did you ever have any like, uh, uh, what's the... Uh like any disputes about people oh, not constantly, hunting. especially at the location location that I was at. It, it was a beer garden. It was a really well run place. Like the place, it was just massive. Like the inside, it was two floors, so there was like the inside that could hold like, if I remember correctly, it was like three hundred and fifty five people was like the legal max occupancy, and then the rooftop was like another like two hundred and fifty people or something like that. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. Like they had those gigantic tables inside that held like 18 people at each table and they had like 20 of those tables, you know? Place was enormous. So like we just did enormous volume. So people would constantly come in and out. And during the springtime of that year where people, you know, the, the mask ban, you know, mask rules were still in effect and I ha- I had to have security posted up throughout the entire restaurant because like there were rules in place that like made it our responsibility to make sure not made it our responsibility to make sure people wore the mask but like we weren't supposed to let them in in the beginning anyway obviously they went through various forms of you know relaxing the rules and and laws and then it just got to the point where like the owners of my restaurant were just kind of like back off of people like the ones who want to follow it let them follow it the ones who don't like don't beat them up about it but like it made a lot of people super uncomfortable so my boss like my general manager, my, my, my buddy was just kind of like, if you have to say something to somebody, like be nice about it. But in the beginning, yeah, we had lots of people who would like walk in and like, you've seen the security guards there. They are not little guys. Like I'm six, six. They don't take any shit either. No, they do not. And they're, they're taught to do that. Like in that location, because of the, the kind of town it is, the kind of, you know, location it is in the kind of town that it's in. It's in a short town. People come down there, they get wild. They party for the weekend. Those guys don't joke. He's actually a, or he tried to become, he's a fireman. Yeah, I think, didn't he try to become a cop or something? State yeah, cop he tried to become something? a state cop, but the process was taken so long that like he got offered a fireman's job in the meantime and he took that and I haven't spoken to him since. So he may or may not be a, a police officer now, but that well, was I, always like his goal. I remember but the guy was, a, you know, a fucking mountain of a man. The guy was like yeah. six foot seven, like 290 pounds of just pure muscle. I remember I got down there early and I was going to go on like later around like 4 p.m. Right. And I think I got there at like 12 or something. Right. Because it would always take a while to get there. Yeah. And yeah, traffic. Short traffic. And, <laughs> and uh, I stood there with him for about three hours because I had nothing to do. And everything was set up already. And I think he got two fake IDs in that three hours. That guy was good. He's one of, he's like the best bouncer, doorman, security guard that I have ever worked with. And most of it was just because of how imposing he was as a person. Like there would be situations where like as the manager, I would be called over to address the situation. And then sometimes it would escalate because people are just crazy. And they've been drinking, you know, one liter beers that are nine and a half percent that, you know, can do some damage if you, you know, drink the entire thing too quickly. And uh, I would 99, we had, you know, we had walkie talkies and radios and we were earpieces and the whole nine there because it's just kind of the operation that it was. And uh, I would, I would always immediately just, if, if, if it was the sort of situation where you could see right away it was getting out of hand or people were just fighting with each other, he would show up 
and people would just look up at him and stop. Like they would not Very do- Very imposing person. He would just show up and be like, hey, stop it. Or put his hand on your shoulder and that was it. Like it didn't matter who you were. You saw that man and you were just kind of like, uh, I, I give up. I'll leave. <laughs> I remember I was there when he took the ID from some girl and she goes, can I have it back? Oh, and, he's got he's the he best goes, way no. of handling it. And he just turns around. Then she looks at me. I'm like, I don't even work here. <laughs> and if people used to press him on it, he'd be like, look, if you really want the ID back, we can call the cops. They can confirm it's real. You can get it back from the police. Well, that's what I was going to say. He took it from a girl and she goes, I'm going to tell my dad. So she saunters off and comes back with her dad. And he goes, I'm a such and such police officer. And he goes, well, then you know that she's possessing an illegal fake ID to get into this place. And you know what the ramifications on my end is. I love it. He and he best. was just like, you're right. And then he just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> like he couldn't argue. And then they would get, get half a block down and you'd hear the dad yelling at the daughter like, you gave him a fake ID? Oh, it would happen all the time. We started hosting weddings. People would try to pass fake IDs at the door for a wedding. And now mind you, we're... We're, we're a 700 person restaurant. We're close for this event. There's 350 people here for this massive wedding that they've paid thousands of dollars for us to host and, and set up and, and run the operation. And some, you know, nephew of the bride tries to pass a fake ID and can't get in now. And then I've got, you know, 25 aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody like, please, man, he's just a kid. You got to let him in now. And I'm like, we can't let him in. And I'll just let he, I would just let Jay handle it. And every single, and it would always just go away. And were it you holding like, those receptions while regular business was no, coming we, into? We would, oh, okay, there was, was like a, a fee involved for us to close for the day. Wow. What is the, what is the fee to close it's that ba- place? It's based on the average of sales of that date from the past year year or two or three depending on you know what day of the year it is which is why we didn't do a ton of you know like june july august dates because we would that place would make thousands being there like like insane amounts of midsummer on a sunday on the rooftop and it was popping off on the rooftop it would do like sixty thousand dollar days yeah like saturday 55 grand sunday 68 grand friday 48 grand like just massive numbers but again it was a volume operation like it was just we would we would host you know 2000 covers a day on a on a good summer weekend day you know from from my perspective that was a rough gig but there it were it was rough times. just because the the amount of like the size of the location yeah. because it was just it was too And you never fields, bro like that place was huge I know like there were some really fun days especially when I the did live enjoy bands that. played Oh yeah I really enjoyed that job I But do, it took its toll There's no there was no consistency to the people that go there. Like when I DJ Ghost Talk, I know the types of people that are coming in. Well, that's part of it. Like it's because it's a shore town. So like there's I would none get, of the local population is what you're going to see. It's just all these, these, and I don't want to say tourists because it's people who are from, you know, 15, 20 minutes away a lot of the yeah. time. But it's like, this is a location that people go to, to party and have fun at. So like it does vary enormously depending on the time of year the 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 weather that day like is there a football game on because if there's a football game on and we're not showing it on our gigantic fucking tvs and we got a band playing like ain't nobody showing up bro i remember there would be a sunday where it was nice and bright out and everybody just came from the beach and we were killing it the next sunday completely different story and it also depends on like what else is happening in town that weekend because oh. there's so many other venues in town and like so do you many remember that, that could surf happen. festival that yeah. had pearl jam that played at the end 
when me and Jeff showed up with Surf Records now or and whatever. literally nobody showed up. And we were thinking, this is the best time to play Surf Records. And nobody showed up. Because they're all at a, a three-day-long <laughs> festival, like, on the beach, you know, 250 yards away. So it's like, fuck, we should be packed. But, like, they had, like, re-entry rules at the festival that, like, pissed all the local bars and restaurants off that we were like, oh, they can't leave the festival. Like, well, then what are we, we're not going to see any business until the sun goes down and the festival ends. So that was, that was rough. But that got changed over the years. Has there any ever been, like... Uh crazy bar fights where people are throwing chairs in there they couldn't throw chairs because like they were these massive that you couldn't pick them up like it took multiple people to pick the benches up there they were huge they were like but any places that but you any, ever worked at were there any just um, out of control fights where definitely yeah definitely at the you know at that place and also at the the place i was at in jersey city that was more like craft beer based people uh People used to do crazy things there, but but mostly, yeah, at the the big beer garden, there would be tons of fights. But there was that that big security guard thing; he would squash things so quickly that like it it really never really got that out of hand. But you know, there's been I've seen crazy things happen there. Like it was a rooftop, and they had those gigantic steins, and it was directly across the street from a lake. So I've had to yell it like a ton, of, and it's also deceivingly far how wide the street is. Because there's like, well, did people try like to like throw in. the steins? And oh the, yeah, people would be like, "Yo, that's a big street." That's a big street, and there's always foot traffic over there. And I've seen none of them made it to the lake. Like most of them did not make it to the lake because the steins are big. People don't realize how big they are. They're fucking huge. They're one liter steins. They're heavy, dimpled glass steins. You know what I mean? They're massive. And they would just shatter on the street. They would just shatter in the street, or like hit the grass just before the water. And I'm like, ah, guys, like what the fuck? We would have to kick people after that. Not all the time. I don't want to say it's it happens so crazy super often, but it happened more people, than once while I was there. They go to a rooftop, and the first thing they think about is, yo, let's throw shit off the roof. <laughs> well, I've, I've done my fair share of roof throwing right? stuff. I mean, I've thrown stuff off the rooftop. We used to throw snowballs into the lake across the street, but that's also, you know, there's no one walking around it. There's snow everywhere. Yeah. And, and it's a snowball. It's not a liter or a half liter <laughs> glass stein. You know what I mean? It's a little bit different. I had to throw a duck off the roof one time. Did he fly? No, it was it was a it was a, I didn't throw the ducks off. They jumped. It was a weird situation where this this mother duck would come and lay her eggs in the planters on our rooftop, and then the eggs would hatch, and the baby ducks couldn't fly and they couldn't get off the roof because the roof had like a three foot wall, you know, brick wall and then a railing and their picnic table. So like they couldn't fly, so they couldn't get up on that ledge. But you could tell that like the mama duck was like trying to get them on. She just kept like jumping on the ledge and looking down at them and quacking at them. And they're like looking up at her, like chirping, like what is going on? So then I picked one up and I put it on the ledge and then the mama duck flew down to the ground. So it was like, it was very clear that the mother duck was like, jump. But I was like, yo, these are, they're not gonna fly. Like, I don't think she realizes this. And then without hesitation, the baby duck just ran and jumped off the roof and it's like, You've, you've, it's, it's not a short like distance a, to the ground and it's directly it's to the sidewalk. Feet, right? Yeah, exactly. Did it die? It was fine. Really? Yeah, it was it, fine. What, did it but glide I was like, down? It, like a, like. It did the, you know, the like controlled fall type maneuver, but like, it was like, a, it was like a newborn duckling. So I was like, yeah, I'm not letting these other ones jump off the roof. So I like put them in a box and I just walked them downstairs and I walked them across the street to the lake and I laid them out. And then mama duck came over with the one duck that jumped off the roof. And they, they swim away in the lake. In the lake. Are ducks? I know some birds won't touch the babies. That I heard that was true, but I don't think it is. I also heard that that wasn't true. Hmm. 
because I handled each one of those ducklings and they followed her in a little row right into the water. What would your like responsibilities be like in a place like uh, that beer garden as opposed to like what you're doing now? Like more responsibility, less responsibility? At the beer garden, I had less responsibility because, oh, the, wow. like I said, there was like so many people on staff because it was such a big operation that each you're doing each thing in such volume that like you only focus on that one thing. Well, like where I work at now, I oversee like the entire operation and it's super hands on and it's just like two people running it. But like on most given days, it's just me unless it's like a Friday, Saturday or Sunday. That's the only time I work with another person <clears throat> um, currently at the place I'm at now. So like now I oversee like everything while it, when I was there, I had like just one scope and it was just like bar manager. That's it. So like all I had to deal with was the bar. Like I didn't have to do like food orders, food inventory, kitchen training, like working in the kitchen. I didn't have to do like anything like that. So like all, it was basically like just, just a bar manager role. <clears throat> and it was way easier and I made way more money. I took like a significant pay cut to go where I work join the company I work for now but it's a different concept like I have a different schedule I work days now like there's like way more room for growth if that makes sense like there's it's like a multiple location type company instead of just like you know one concept that these people own you know and then they you know may eventually change it into something else or open something else you know it's a completely different i like it i like where i'm at now <clears throat> i like the days i like working days and getting home at like 4 5 o'clock compared to all the other places that you worked at you like this one the best um yes and no there's other places like the, i mean obviously like working at places where i had less responsibility and made more money like had its pros and cons but like the hours were just so taxing yeah that like I couldn't really enjoy myself anyway. I, <clears throat> at least now, like, although I do work days on weekends, like I have weekend evenings to do like whatever I want. So like I can go out Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, instead of like working Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, you know what I mean? So like there's that aspect of it. And like the room for growth is nice, is nice, like, nice. <laughs> wow, you got a lisp <laughs> out of nowhere. No, uh, I, uh, you know, I get a little bit of a dry mouth there. But, um, yeah, it's nice being able to do that. And uh, the room for growth is nice because, like, I can make plans or, like, do something with this company instead of just being like, oh, this is the only location. Like, if my boss doesn't leave, there's nowhere else for me to go up. You know what I mean? So, like, while I was making more money, that was only because they, like, poached me from somewhere. So, like, that was never, like, built to last, you know? I wonder if you could get a lisp, like, just, like, just develop out of it. nowhere. I guess if you get like a lip or mouth injury or something, right? Well, imagine you, you just for some reason started getting a lisp and I'd be like, I remember that day. Like it I just happened. <laughs> the first instance. There was, uh, there was a guy that uh, I think started hiccuping. He was like a farmer in like the 80s or something. It was what? in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> he just kept going. I think he had the record for the longest hiccups. I think it was like nine years or something. He got him, and then just wouldn't stop. Fuck that. And he went to the doctors. They couldn't figure it out. That sounds like a miserable way. To, did it ever stop? 
I think you would get used to it eventually. Yeah, but like, is that like that's got to be like psychological or like I physiological? So. I, I I would hate, like I hate having them because like it's always at the most inopportune times. Like I'm about to eat and now I have to time it because I don't want to be swallowed. I always get, get it like, I always get the hiccups like after I eat too quickly. I don't know if they know yet why we have them, but I know that they know how it, like... Well, yeah, I'm sure they understand the, like... I think it's gas-related, because I seem to always, like you said, right, when you eat too quickly, you're taking in a lot of air, and that right. causes gas. Right. I get hiccups if I drink soda, and soda, obviously. Could be. I wonder. Well, if it has to do with, like, eating too quickly, maybe it has to do with, like... The expansion of your stomach too quick i would yeah like maybe that triggers some weird that. like nerve thing or maybe it changes the way your your diaphragm well, pattern works your organs definitely uh rearrange or something you know when you like fill well, up your stomach your too much gonna rearrange that would be so weird right <laughs> they're like brrr, no, my, my stomach is in my chest <laughs> how did this happen? i just mean like you know they, they got to make room for each other so it affects the way your your muscle pattern i don't know the way your breathing pattern is well, I could see your stomach maybe uh, pushing on your diaphragm or something. Yeah, you know, or maybe the way you change your your what I mean, like the breathing pattern when you're when you're eating quickly. Maybe changing that up causes some sort of like attempt at correcting the pattern. You know, I could see that. I think they have a theory that um, hiccups come from like when uh, we were like one-celled organisms. Whoa! Yeah. Some like vestigial happen happening. Well, I remember reading about it. Now I don't remember what their theory was of why we have them, but they know that like f like frogs and tadpoles do the same thing. So they think that really, yeah, because we were once one celled organisms like yeah, a tadpole. That's true. Well, not like one cell, but like. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. In that we we're very tadpole esque. Yeah. When we were when we were just tadpoles, <laughs> back in the day, we were just way tadpoles. back in the day, like you know, the first day. It's it's hard to imagine. Not that I don't believe it, but that we went from tadpoles to two people sitting on a couch, talking into uh, microphones, right, <laughs> and recording our conversation for later. Well, I mean, in, individually, we all started off as tadpoles. crazy right <laughs> it's wild damn we say you want to wrap there. it up getting real deep there yeah we can wrap it up okay well thanks All for right. coming on my uh podcast absolutely man thanks for having me glad to do it <laughs>